in the presence of the Lord this morning. Father, I pray that as um, I open my mouth, that those things that come out of my mouth will be inspired by the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will speak life, that you will speak hope, and that you will speak inspiration to the people of God. But more than that, I pray that you would speak to us in such a way that we would be provoked in our spirit to take this wonderful gospel message to those that are bleeding, to those who are dying, and who are without hope in this world. We thank you and we praise you. And all God's people said amen, amen, amen. We're continuing our series on Discover Hope. And today we're going to be talking about God's infallible hope. Uh, Back in 1984 and 1988, uh, there was a young African-American politician. Some of you will know who I'm talking about before I give it away. Um, He was very charismatic. Uh, He was born uh, in South Carolina. Uh, And uh, he really had really no shot on winning the Democratic uh, nomination. In fact, in 1988, uh, he was considered, albeit because of the way that he performed in 84, the Democratic frontrunner. But obviously, that didn't materialize as Michael Dukakis ended up winning the Democratic nomination. But a careful examination of, of, of his platform uh, and I'm talking about a man by the name of Jesse Jackson. How do you know what I'm talking about? Jesse Jackson had a theme, and I didn't know, and I was in college, I didn't pay much attention to politics, okay? And, but Jesse Jackson had a theme, and how do you know what it was? If you know it, say it. Keep hope alive. There you go. <laughs> Keep hope alive. Wow. He, he beat everybody to the punch. Uh, but that was a theme that Jesse Jackson had, and what Jesse Jackson, uh, Jesse Jackson understood that the concept of hope is very, very powerful because when folks start to lose hope, uh, you know, they start to lose that sense of priority, uh, that sense of achievement. And, and so he tapped into something that gave people the, a possibility or at least a reason to think that he could possibly win the nomination. And so folks were very, very excited about that. And needless to say, he did not win, but he went a lot further than anybody could ever anticipate it. It was because he had this one phrase, keep hope alive. God has designed in each and every human being the desire for life, for hope, something we're designed to always be reaching for something in life. You know, uh, for example, your body is designed to move, you know, and if you sit and you never move, you never exercise and you become a couch potato, what will happen to you? And if you don't exercise and eat right, what happens to you? Because God designed us to be a people always moving and always growing. And so hope is something that everybody needs in order to survive in life, that sense of hope. Now, let me say this. Hope is only effective as what you put your hope in. Let me say that again. But people are hoping in a lot of things, but it's only effective as in what you place your hope in. 
People got hope in relationships. And how many people have been let down by relationships? How many people have been, uh, you know, uh, you thought that, you know, you, 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 just, you were just let down and you were just disappointed? And, and, or, or in the government, for an example, a lot of people got their hope in politics and they're kind of hoping that somehow that the political leaders, which they can't ever get it right, will, will somehow usher in this kind of peace, this kind of grace. And, 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 but how do you know that it is all failing? It's all failing. Because... You and I know this as believers, that the only real hope in life is hope that is based in Jesus Christ. Now, let me say it again in this way. Every blessing, everything that God brings about and he does in your life, everything, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever you have, wherever you find yourself, if, if, if your life is not rooted and grounded in Christ or those things are not rooted and grounded in Christ, you are headed for disappointment. Because real hope is found in Jesus Christ. It's not found in your checkbook. It's not found in your relationship. It's not found in your children. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. They grow up and they disappoint you at times. How many parents know what I'm talking about? They just do. And in relationship, I mean, you can't put your hope in any of that. Our hope must be, if it's going to be a lasting hope, if it's going to be an authentic hope, it must be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 8, we want to build a foundation here. Romans chapter number 8. And we'll start reading in verse number 18. Because, what we, because what's important is to understand this, that too many believers live their lives as if this life is everything. Too many of us put our hope in things of this world. And, and we act like that, that this is it. But for the believer, how many know, we ought to know better than that. Because when you have an eternal perspective, it changes how you do everything. It changes how you walk. It changes how you live. It changes how you give. It changes the, your, your concept and how you purchase things because you have an eternal perspective. Now, I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says here in Romans chapter number eight. Now, watch this. He says, now, for I consider, now, he had to consider this. I want, I want to teach you a little bit this morning. He says, now, for I consider that the suffering of this present time. Now, I want you to hear that because he's laying a foundation for what this world is like. And he's going to give you the reason why you can't put your hope in this world. Do you hear me? You can't put your hope in governments. You can't even put your hope in people. You hear me? A lot of times we have these unhealthy uh, 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 desires from people that is based in falsehood. Because people can't always, they're not designed to meet your every need. But we act like it, don't we? Especially when we get married, you're supposed to meet my every need. There is something in all of us that nobody can touch it. Only God can meet that need. Now watch this. Now watch what Paul says here in Romans chapter 8. He says now, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now what is Paul saying there? 
Paul is saying that all of the suffering in this world, all of the pain and heartache that perhaps you are experiencing in your life, all of the trouble, all of the pain. Paul said this to the Romans that he's saying to us today. It's not going to even be able to compare at all to the glory. The glory means the radiant beauty, the triumphant, the joy of God. So think about this. The suffering that we experience in this world and the suffering that we see in the world. And this is why we want to put out the message of hope, because we need to let people know that when you come into the kingdom of God, that the suffering of this present world, I don't care what you're going through, it ain't going to compare to what God has in store for you. Because what God has in store for you is going to bring you ultimate pleasure and joy beyond your imagination. But you got to have an eternal perspective. Amen. Now watch this. He says, now for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Watch this. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption and to the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now we look at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation, now watch this, not parts of the creation, but the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains. Together unto now, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So watch this. He says now the whole creation is moaning and groaning. I mean, no, that tsunami that happened in Japan, the whole creation, earthquakes all over the place. The whole creation is groaning. Because it has fallen short of where God wants it to be. And so as believers, we need to understand this, that everything that is happening in this world is happening according to what God said would happen. I would be a little bit concerned if God didn't give me a warning first. He says, now the whole creation is moaning and groaning. The whole creation. There's trouble all around you. Nations are fighting against nations. Kingdoms against kingdoms. People can't seem to get along. People cannot seem to get it right. Why? Because they're disconnected from hope. And they keep putting their hope in the things of this world, in their own intellect. But how many know that that will fail you every single time? And many people who haven't or won't come to Christ because intellectually they think that there's a better way. And so we're tasked with the responsibility of letting them know that everything is falling and failing because it's not connected to Jesus. Because so when things get connected back to him, then people will have a reason to believe and they will be set on a course that God had originally designed, which will bring all the peace and joy that people want. Isn't it amazing? People want peace and joy. They want happiness, but they bypass Jesus all the time. You tell them, you listen to people talk all the time. I want happiness. I want peace. I want joy. But they don't want to hear. But soon you hear someone. I'm, I'm at work. And soon you put some Christian music on. I don't want to hear that. They tell me they go to church. They love Jesus. But soon I'll put someone to you about some preaching or teaching or, or some praise and worship music. Just turn that off. I don't want to hear that. Wait a minute, brother. What are you hoping in? I, th- I thought you said you wanted peace. You, wa- you wanted joy. You, you wanted happiness. 
But look at verse 24. He said, for we are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why, so why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now, I want you to jump on over to verse 27. Now, we, now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And watch this. this, is, this is, I love this verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I want you to I want you to think about that verse, because if that's one of your verses that you should write on your doorpost, you should write it above your bed. You should put it in your car. The Bible says, watch this, all things. You mean, pastor, you mean to tell me this stuff that I'm going through, this trouble, this confusion in my life, all of these problems. Let me ask you a question. Do you love God? Do you love God? If you love God and you are saved this morning and you love Jesus, God says, I'm going to take everything in your life that is negative, all the good, all the bad, and somehow, one way or another, it's going to work in our favor. Ah, hallelujah. He said, God causes all, and some of us have been through some hard stuff. We've been through some things, and, and, we, and sometimes there's that feeling that creeps in that, that, that maybe God has given up. Maybe I've went too far. How many of you ever felt that? But God said that I'm going to cause everything in your life to work together for good because why? You love me, and I've called you to be a part of my kingdom. How many know that is a good word? That is hope that everybody is looking for. God said, I'm, I'm going to take everything in life, and I'm going to make sure it work out for good. Those financial problems, those bad relationships, the troubles that you, perhaps troubled things that you've done in your own life that you know that were wrong. God says, somehow, one way or another, I'm going to cause all things to work together for good. And sometimes God will even spank you, and it's for your good. How many of you have spanked your kids? And you tell them it's for your good. They look at us like, no, you are out of your mind. This hurts. How can you love me and spank me? You see? And we try to convince, and that's the same thing God does with God. And sometimes you got to endure a spanking, but guess what? You got confidence to know that when God spanks you, he's on your side. I don't mind a good whipping and a good spanking as long as I know that, that you still love me and that you still have my best interests at heart. And so, and so now we're painting this picture. I want you to turn with me now to, to 2 Peter. Oh, God. 2 Peter, chapter number 3, verse number 10 through 13. And so we see the condition of this world. The whole earth is moaning and, and groaning. Now, we understand that as children of God, we have hope. But we really need to come back to this because what we need to recognize as the people of God is that, that the message got to be, we, 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 we can't be giving people a false sense of hope. And that is to think that, that, that all that life is all about is paying a couple of bills and getting your needs met and being able to drive bigger cars and nicer homes. Do you hear me? Because most people, a lot of people, I won't say most people, but there's a lot of people that have a false sense in that. They believe that, that, that God exists to be my bellhop, my genie, just to make me happy. And, and let me, can, I, can I bust your bubble, your bubble in a very nice way? He doesn't. True happiness, you got to understand, you got to understand that this world is passing away. Isn't it amazing how we forget that? 
We act like that we're going to be here forever. The Bible says, lay not yourselves treasure on this earth where thieves can break through and steal. I mean, no, that, that the, some, most of you got alarms on your house. And I moved my house 10 years ago and stuff is breaking all over the place. Every time I turn around, I got to fix something. And it's a reminder to me that it's all coming down. But pastor, you got no spiritual basis to say that. Okay, watch this. I'm glad you asked because y'all just second. I'm in first Peter, second Peter, chapter number three. All right. And we'll start reading verse number 10. And I got to get there. Second Peter, watch this. He says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. How many know Jesus coming back? All right. So you better be ready. And boy, and I tell you what, I'm hoping that he come back quick because I'm ready to see him. Hallelujah. But he says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Now, I want you to hear this. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Now, watch this. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be what? All right. I mean, can, it, can, it, can the scripture get any more clearer? This is why, why do we sometimes, that's why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. And what God is really saying is, stop worrying about all the things of this world because the people of the world, their whole life evolve around getting a good job, making a lot of money, sending my kids to college. That's the American dream. But that ain't the Christian's dream. Do you hear me? Oh, I'm going to go right there. Will you say, don't go there. I'm going to go right there. It's not God's dream. Now, does God want us to have a great family? He wants us to get educated. Sure, God's not against that, but that's not why we're here. Primarily, that is not why we're here. He says that the earth and everything in it is going to burn up. That means that nice house that you live in is coming down. That nice car you're driving, goodbye. Your IRA accounts, all of your money, goodbye. Because I've never seen them have a funeral and have a big old truck behind it loaded with money, taking it with them. Don't happen. And I'm amazed how many believers, and then people get upset when the church says it's time to give. I never understood that. That's why we make people clap here, because I grew up in the Baptist church. I mean, they used to say it's time for the offering. People used to get mad because you messing with my stuff. I'm happy. Tell me about how, how much God loved me. Tell me all the good stuff. Make me happy. But stay away from the money stuff. Don't go there. See, keep that now. Keep that down. No, 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 no. Wait a minute now. And I'm amazed. I'm thinking, why are we investing? Why are we trying to invest everything that we got in this world? You ain't, it ain't going to last. The scripture that says it's going to burn up. So then, how, so then it begs the question, how do I take all of that with me? See, everything that is somehow tied back to the kingdom, you can take it with you. The money, the resources, your giving, your time, your energy. If you can somehow tie it back to the kingdom, it goes with you. If it's all about you and how much money I make and how I can bless myself and how I can have more and more and more, it ain't going nowhere. You will not be rewarded for that. The Bible says lay up for yourselves treasures in where? Heaven. Because there's no corruption there. So then what I need to be thinking is my money, my time, my resources. I want to make sure 
that God's kingdom is first. Everybody talk about you want to invest. I want to invest in the greatest stocks. I want to invest in it. And, and they want to make a lot of money. Nothing wrong with making a lot of money if your goal is to make it for Jesus. And, watch, see, now I ain't, I ain't get no amen this morning, but I'm going to preach it anyway. But see, if my goal is to get rich for Jesus so that I can advance his kingdom, God don't got a problem with that. But the, the harsh reality is most of us don't think that way. God is a genie. God give me more, 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 more for me. And I'll give a little bit to, the, to God every now and then. I will tip God every now and then. But let me tell you something. You know, every time you walk in the house and you give it offering in Jesus' name, I don't care if it's here in this church or some mission and you're supporting, you know what? When you do it with the right heart and the right attitude, that's going to follow you. You, you, you hear us say all the time, you can't all give God. You can't. Because I'm going to make sure that the investments in the things that I have, that, that they're rooted and grounded and they have a spiritual connection that, that is rooted in Christ. And that because that's the only way I can take it with me. I can't take it with me no other way. And so we got so many people just running. Even people that God blessed them, they love Jesus, but their priorities are all messed up. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. What would this church be like? You think we would ever, do you think we would ever have a problem paying bills, paying rent, funding missionaries, spreading the gospel across the earth if every Christian had this mindset? That everything I got is for God. Everything I got, I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to use it for God. Because I already know it's burned up. I already know it ain't going nowhere. I already know that I only have a short time on this earth anyway. And some of us, we don't know when that time will come. So why are we spending our wheels trying to just get more and more and more? And our hope is in this world. Turn with me to Hebrews, I believe. Hebrews chapter number 11. Go there real quick, and I got to do this fast. Hebrews chapter 11. Are y'all still with me? All right. You still have a little bit of love for me, just a little bit. All right. I'm glad to hear that because it's going to get a little bit worse. All right. So, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, Listen. Now, if you want to know what real faith and hope is, you need to read the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Woo, boy. You read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you know some people died. They, they were chopped in half. They went through with sheepskins and they were beaten and they were naked in a lot of cases. And it wasn't by choice. We talk about Hebrews chapter 11. That's, that really is what faith is all about. Now, why, why, are we, why are we talking about this? Because, you know, see, you can't discover hope until we, until we change what you're putting your hope in. You follow me? Amen. So we can't talk about hope. And so people say, well, Pastor, I want you to pre- preach to me hope. I'm going to preach to you hope, but first I've got to disconnect you from this world. Amen. Because many of us are just too connected. We're too connected to this world. And watch this. Verse number 13, I love this. He says, Talking about believers. He's talking about Abraham and Enoch. Well, I love the testimony of Enoch. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and God just took him. How, how would you like to have that testimony? I'm just walking with God. Where Gary? He'll pass it. God took him. Ah, that's, I, I want to meet Enoch. Enoch was a bad brother. God just took him. God said, God, Enoch was fellowshipping so well. God said, boy, you, can't, you got to come up here with me. God took him. Ain't, that's about all it talks about with Enoch. But so he says in verse number 13, 
These all died. Watch this in faith. Watch this. Not having received the promises. Watch this. But having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them, and watched it. They confessed. What was their confession, Pastor? That they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That's how they live. They walked around saying, We don't, we don't, this ain't really our home. You know, when you go on vacation, you rent a house. Come on, be honest. You know, now hopefully you're respectful. But you know, you don't treat place, you don't treat a place the same as if it's your, your own. See, when you're at home, if somebody spill, look, if somebody, if, if one of my kids spills some coffee in Sister Diva's house, I'm gonna say, we need to get that up. But really, I'm like, you know, it's it's not, but if you spill it in my house, oh, we really need to get that up. You know why? Because it's my house. It's my home. I've invested in this, right? I mean, this is where my money is. This, I, mean, my, I mean, most of us, our home, but we put a lot of money in our home because it's home. And when it's home, you treat every, every other place different. When you come to my house, if you come to my house, you won't act the same way. Hopefully, some folks just got need help. But you won't act the same. <laughs> we had a couple that walked right in. It's like, okay. <laughs> but, but. You know, you won't act the same way as if you were in your own house because you now walked into somebody else's house. You see, God said what these folk did, they walked around like this earth wasn't their home. That's why I believe that's why the children of Israel, they walked, they had tents. They went different places until they got to the land of promise. They kept sitting up, setting up little tents where they can worship God because it wasn't meant to be permanent. See, you're not meant to be permanent here. You must, if you're going to have hope and discover hope, you got to have an eternal perspective. See, that's why when, when people, I'll give an example. If I know you love Jesus and you die, because all of us are going to get there, right? I hope none of us get there anytime soon. But you know what? And let's just use my wife. I love my wife to death. You know, if my wife left this earth, I ain't going to jump in the casket and act crazy. Oh, God, I'm in hell. Oh, I ain't never see again. Oh. I, I'm going to cry. I'm going to be disappointed. But you know what? I got an eternal perspective. I know I'm going to see her again. I'm cool. I'm good with it. And so even if people, if God don't respond and heal somebody the way I think you ought to heal, I still feel good about it because I know that God is not a liar. And I got an eternal perspective. So you can't do nothing to me, devil, because my hope is not rooted in this world. Now, if your hope is rooted and based here, your happiness, your peace, your joy is predicated upon the circumstances of this life. But when you get connected with Jesus, it doesn't matter what happens here. You know, they could talk about gas. I listen to them. Gas prices. And I hear believers. say, Oh, God, what am I going to do? What do you mean? What are you going to do? You ain't connected to this economy. This ain't your home. God already told you what the end is going to look like. So gas prices going up, food prices. Read read Revelation. It talks about all of that happening. So what you should be saying is, oh, Jesus, getting close. Yes, sir. Price is going up. Gas is going up. Getting close. Jesus getting ready to come back. The stage is being set. Why? Because you have an eternal perspective. 
You ain't a bit more worried about. You ain't running around talking about, God, how am I going to make it? You know, Christian life, you, mean, you, you realize that how we, we talk sometimes? We sit here and we worry about paying the electric bill. Oh, <laughs> oh God, you know these light got to stay on. <laughs> Jesus, God, God, I don't want to be in the street. Come on. The Bible says that he owns the whole thing. You're connected to eternity. You don't have, listen, there's no, re- you got to first confess that you're a stranger and you're a pilgrim here. You don't really live here. I'm just chilling for a little while. I'm just, I'm hanging out on earth because God gave me an assignment. But as soon as I get the first chance, I'm out of here. Because my hope ain't in this world. Now, but see, but see, if your hope is in this world, is it all about what I can do for me? But see, if, if the church could ever get free, we would never have to worry about wanting or needing anything. Because it's all in the house. We never, we, we, can, we, can do, we can do whatever it is, the New Testament church in the book of Acts. You know why they were so powerful? Because they were acting like they didn't live here. Look at Acts chapter 2. The people got their money. They sold everything. They made sure that nobody had a need. Most of us don't know who got a need because we don't know each other. We don't even care. Unless we might hear about it. But they said, you know what they said? They said, you're going to take everything we got and we're going to give it away. Now, some of you nervous because you're thinking, oh, God, this pastor is preaching Harrison now. He said, I got to sell everything and give everything away. I'm not saying that you have to do that. But if God asks you, would you be willing to do that? Are you ready to say if God, if God changed your plans? No, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. What would you say? If you got an eternal perspective, I don't belong to myself. I don't. I belong to him. So therefore, the problems of this life, the trials of this life, they don't bother me one bit because I have an eternal perspective. Somebody bring me a nap, uh, tissue, please. Now watch this. Y'all still with me? Now watch this. Now look at look at this is good. This is this is gonna this is even gonna get better. We're getting close to the end, but I want you I want you to look at Hebrews chapter number six. Yeah, that'll work. I just need something to see when I get my bald head back this summer, it might get a little better. All right. All right, Hebrews chapter six. Turn there with if you if you will. Ah, I love this. I love this. I love this. Let's just read this verse again because I want to read it. For when God, in verse 13, Hebrews chapter 6, are you there? Say amen. Let me know you're with me. For when God made a promise to Abraham. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I love this. I I got one. Thank you. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. I mean, no, God is bad. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Saying, surely, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. Who are the heirs of promise? That's you. If you don't know that, that is you. Watch this. The immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. 
we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence beyond the veil. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. My son couldn't say that when he began, but that's where it is, Melchizedek. Now, now, now why is that? Let's, let's look at this a little bit. First of all, God made a promise to Abraham. Now, you want to know what the promise to Abraham was. God said to Abraham, and you, Abraham, I'm going to bless every family of the earth. God has always desired that the blessing of God and the blessing whereby the the whole earth will be redeemed was always intended to be through Jesus Christ. Now, you got to understand this. Now, if God makes a promise, how do you know God makes a promise? When you read the Bible and you see a promise, then you need to highlight that. You need to take a look at this. I need to hold on to that because watch this now. Now, now watch this. For when God made a promise, he made a, a promise. The Bible says that he swore by himself. Now, how many know that your word ought to mean something? The Bible, see, they understood this back in biblical days, that when somebody made an oath, an oath settled all disputes. So once I give you my word, give me your hand, brother. Once I give you my word. Okay, and I, that settles everything. And so, and so what they would often do when people had a dispute, they had an agreement or, or whatever the case might be, or they wanted to have some kind of transaction, they will oftentimes, they will do an oath, just like the president of the United States whenever they, or, or any senator or congressman, they have to take an oath of office. Because what that means is I'm saying to you that, that, that you can count on me that this I will make sure to fulfill. I'll give you an oath. Well, God wanted to, God made Abraham a promise. And, and God is serious about keeping his promise. God said, Abraham, I told you, and you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And you, Abraham, blessing, I will bless you, multiply, I will multiply you. Through you, Abraham, I'm going to redeem the whole entire earth. And Abraham, I, I, just in case you doubt me, I want to, I want to first, I want to make an oath with you. And the Bible says that God looked to swear with somebody because, you know, usually you're going to make an oath. You got to have somebody, you know, you can you can do it with. And, and God said, I, you know, most people, when they make an oath, they always have to you know, make it on, on the Bible. Or the Bible says that God willing to wanted to show us that we can have so much confidence in what he said. He said, he said, I swore by myself because there ain't nobody else greater than me. God said, I swore by myself. You can believe me when I tell you that I am going to bless you. God made an oath. And the scripture says that, watch this, it's impossible for God to lie. Oh, God, did y'all hear that? The Bible says also that God is not a man that he should lie. You don't have to worry about your eternal hope. God God says, listen, people worry about mansions on this earth. Uh, I, read, I read the other day, they were talking about this, the, the most expensive mansion in the country was $100 million someplace. But, you know, the, Jesus says that in my father's house, people are, work, look, people are working overtime for the mansions of this world. And you know what? And what did the scripture say about that mansion in the first place? You all know because I just taught you. What? What's going to happen to it? Fire. Some of y'all don't know about the Ohio players. Uh, I'm, <laughs> Brother Larry, good. Fire. Okay. It's all. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's all going to burn up, right? So he's making, so, so, so we, already, we already understand that it's already going to burn up. Now, 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 here's the thing. God says that it's impossible for him to lie. Jesus says that in my father's house, there are how many mansions? Many. Many mansions. And guess what? His mansion, you don't have to get fire insurance. <laughs> His mansion, you don't have to worry about no thieves breaking in the steel, baby. Oh, no, no. What God has prepared for us, you don't have to worry about any of that. But I, I, I love it because it gives, God wanted to let, let Abraham know that Abraham, you can believe what I said. I'm not a liar. It's impossible for God to lie. So you can take a promise in God's word and you can hold God to what he said in his word. And you can know that if God said it in his word, I know he's going to do it because he cannot lie. God said, Abraham, I'm going to show you I, I'm not lying. I'm going to make an oath. I'm going to swear by myself. I'm going to bless you. And not only you, but the heirs. Some of you, who are the heirs? Look at, look at, uh, look at uh, Galatians chapter 3. Uh, verse 6 real quick because I don't think y'all get it yet. This is real quick. Galatians chapter number 3 verses 6 through 9. Watch this. I got to run quick. So if he, he said, let, let him who is taught the word share in all good things. I think Galatians chapter 6. Ah, that's a Galatians chapter 6. No, Galatians chapter 3. Thank you. Somebody's with me. Galatians chapter 3 verses 6 through 9. Are you there? All right, watch this. Just as Abraham believed God. Now, you need to, because I want you to read this because you need to see yourself. Because God had you in mind all the way back when he made a promise to Abraham. And the same blessing that fell on Abraham, guess what? It belongs to you. <laughs> he said, in the scripture foreseeing, watch this, in verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore, Know that only those who are of faith, now you got to be of faith, are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by what? Faith. Preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand. And what do you say to Abraham? In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In other words, eternal life. So those who are of faith, watch this, are blessed with believing Abraham. So when he talks there about the heirs according to the promise, he's talking about you and me. And he's saying that, you know, the hope that I have for you, you don't have to worry about a thing. I promise you, I am going to secure you. I'm going to give you eternal life and I'm going to bless you forever. So that means if I got that kind of perspective, why am I worried? Why am I troubled about this life? Because I already know what the end is going to be for me. Do y'all know that? Okay, y'all still. Do, do, do y'all know that? Do you know what the end is going to be? Oh, hallelujah. Now go back, go back to Hebrews chapter number six. We're still in verse number 13. Uh, it's 13 and 20. It's impossible for God to lie. He says that we might have strong consolation. That means we can have strong hope who have fled for refuge. How I many you know that many of us, we came out of the world running to God, looking for refuge? I know I did. I mean, I was jacked up and I was in all. I mean, I, when I went to God, I ran. How I many you know we know where the refuge is, don't you? It's a safe place. 
So many of us, we have fled. We've left this world, supposedly. But sometimes what happens is we, we supposedly leave the world, but we want to hold on to a little bit of it. Ah, but you got to be willing to let it all go. Look at your neighbor and say, let it all go, please. <laughs> Verse number 19. He says, now, this hope, this hope that we have, watch this. This hope. Now, who is our hope in? Come on, talk to me. Y'all got to learn how to talk. Where's the kids at? Because the kids will be talking to me right now. Where, they're going to be my children. Lexi, put them right here because these folks are dead. They won't talk. Who is our hope in? Come on. Jesus Christ, come on, walk, walk with me now. In verse 19, now he said, now this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Now you know what an anchor is, right? An anchor holds things down, all right? Now an anchor is only as effective as a thing is tied to it. Because you see, you know, and I, and I saw and every now and then you see these big old storms that have come and those boats to be like all over the place. But as long as they, a lot of them, most of them, they stay connected to the anchor, they ain't going nowhere. You see, the picture there is that the hope in God is an anchor for your soul. That no matter how the winds and waves blow in life, there's trouble around you. There's wars all around you. There's economic hardship. There's all kind of, every time you turn around, there's sickness, there's death, there's pain. But I got a hope in God and that hope is an anchor. You know what it does? It sets me steady. So even though I'm blowing and I'm going this way, I'm blowing. Guess what? You, I, I'm still connected. Now, if you ain't connected to hope, then you'll just, you'll just drift away with the problems of this world. And you'll be left stranded out there like, what do I do? Where do I go? That ought to never come out of a Christian's mouth. What do I do? What do I do? Go. Ah, I'm connected right here. See, this hope is an anchor. Hoping God is my anchor. So that, that watch this. Whatever happens in my life, whatever goes on in my life, because how many know the things don't always happen the way you want? I know people like to tell you that. You know, you're going to get the truth here. You can pray sometimes and you can believe God and still sometimes it don't go out it happen the way you want. Now, is there any reason not to believe God? No. But what it does, but what we should understand is this, that I got, I know that first of all, God is with me because he said I will never leave, he will never leave you nor forsake you, right? So, and you know God ain't a liar because the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. God don't know how to lie. It, he can't do it. So I know that if I read a promise in his word, I can hold on to him. And I know that even though the storms of life come up on me, I can hold right on. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going to give up on God. I ain't going to turn my back. Yes, it got hard. I don't know all the answers. How many of you dealing with stuff right now you don't know all the answers to? But here's what you do is just stay connected. Abide in the vine. And you'll bring much fruit. Abide means to simply remain. Just stay connected to God. Don't let people drag you away. Don't let circumstances drag you away. Because, you know, people will lie to you. <laughs> you know, politicians, they lie, don't they? I mean, you can't believe, you know, you, you, we live in a culture today of, 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 of people that are unfaithful. You can't trust them. I mean, they're shifty. They tell you one thing and they do another. Politics all the time. They, oh, we're going to do this. Gonna, then soon they get in office. Flip. Like, brother, what happened to your word? Don't matter no more. Situation change. You know what I mean. I mean, if, if, if God was like a lot of people said he is, God is one confused individual. Because God said, God must be crazy. Because I thought you said last week, God said something else. <laughs> What happened? What kind of God are you serving? Is God a schizo God? 
But, 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 but he never changes. Amen. And it's impossible for God to lie. <laughs> you ought to get excited about that. God cannot lie. So when I read a promise in God's word, I can hold on to it and say, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. that's going to happen. Because the Bible says that many of them died in faith. They didn't even receive the promise, but they embraced it afar off. They said, yeah, I got it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. Now, now, now I want to I close with this verse. I got to close because I already went long. But look at Hebrew, uh, uh, Psalm chapter 46. Psalm 46. How am I doing on time? Oh, gosh. Psalm 46. God is, are you there? I'll give you two seconds. Two. God is our refuge. All right? That means he's our safe place. I love this. And he is our strength. A very present help. Oh, I love that. Do y'all know what present means? Somebody talk to me. What does present mean? (laughs) The Bible says that he is a present help. That means that you're not talking, when you pray to God, you're not talking to a God that did stuff three and four hundred years ago and he stopped working. The Bible says that he is a present help in time of need. He's a right now God. That's the way they used to say it in the old church. He's a right now God. All right, don't let me go get my roots on you. Then uh, verse number two, therefore we will not fear. Why won't I fear? Because I know God is with me. Watch this. And though the earth be removed, All right. Think about this. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. There is a river. You know, the Bible says that him who believes in him, that out of his belly will flow rivers of living water, life. The psalmist said that though the earth is removed, though there's trouble all around me, here's what he's saying. He said, he said, I will not fear and I will not be moved. You know why? Because hope, I got hope in Jesus. He's my anchor. That no matter what happens in life, he's though, look at verse, uh, verse number four, five, I'm sorry. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just, just at the break of dawn. The nations rage. How many know the nations are raging right now? I mean, you look around you. I mean, it's like everybody's fighting each other. Over in the Middle East, I mean, who ain't fighting right now? Either they're fighting or they're getting ready to fight. <laughs> you know, he said, the nation raged, the kingdoms were moved. And his voice, and he uttered his voice, and the, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. Watch this. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. Watch this. He made wars to cease to the ends of the earth. Now, is that happening today? Has that happened today? Has war stopped? No, but, 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 but the psalmist is speaking prophetically. That, that there's going to come a time, there's going to be no more wars. But first, you've got to have an eternal perspective. So, so, you know, we got these nice, beautiful, I don't know all the military terms, some of you military folks, we got these nice airplanes, these B-52s and, and these jets that cost like millions of dollars, and they drop these Tomahawk missiles that cost about two, three million, I don't know. Guess what? All of it. All of it. We're gonna go and in God's kingdom, we ain't gonna need none of that. We ain't gonna need to be fighting no wars. 
Ain't going to be no way we have the military sitting away. Listen, how many know the Bible says that, that see, we, we, we're looking for that place. We're looking for that time when there would be righteousness. And, and the Bible talks about how that those folks in that same verse I showed you in Hebrews chapter number 11, where it talks about that they confessed that they was pilgrims. They also talked about that they were looking for a better place where there dwells righteousness. You know, the Bible says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for, how many of you, how many of you are sick and tired that you can't even let your kids go outside and, and play because some pervert is lurking? How many of you, you can't even get out of a car at night. Women can't get out because they're scared somebody's going to come and snatch their purse. You can't even go get your car fixed because you're afraid that the mechanic is trying to rip you off. How many know, I mean, every time you turn around, people are trying to rip you off. There's, there's pain. There's, I mean, you can't, I mean, this earth is full of unrighteousness. But how many know that the hope that we got, that's coming a point in time. We don't have to worry about none of that. So if you're thirsty for righteousness, get ready. Because what God has in store for us, there's going to be everlasting joy, everlasting peace. And here's the message that God has for us. Verse 10, he says, watch this. Be still. And know that I'm God. Be still. What is God saying? Does that, does that mean not to work? Does that mean that we're just not supposed to do anything? Sometimes we mean that. But you know really what he's saying? Calm down. Stop worrying about stuff. Stop, putting, stop getting all that CNN and all that news and, and all the, you know, ABC, NBC. Listen to all the negative stuff every day just coming in telling you how bad things are. You feed yourself with that all the time. Before long, you'd be walking scared. You'd be terrified because you don't know what's going to happen. But that ain't your fate. No, 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 not for us. He says, be still and know that I'm God. And he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of the host is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So now you talk about a hope. Here, here, here's your message right here. This, this sums it all up. Hope in this world will kill you, literally. But hope in Christ is eternal. And so, listen, so when you preach the gospel to people, don't just go, don't, listen, don't go and tell people how wonderful God wants to just give them everything that they desire. They just trust. No, no, they need to know, they need to, listen, they need to give this world up. That's where we got to start. Everybody say, everybody look, everybody look at me and say this. Repeat it after me. I'm going to give up the world. I have no ties to it. It has nothing in me. I have nothing in it. I'm disconnecting myself. My hope is in him. My hope is in the cross. My hope is in Christ. And nothing else. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.